Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Paragons of Earth the exciting new superhero comic I'm working on with Thomas DJ and Eric Johns. For this comic, we've unearthed a number of obscure and forgotten Golden Age superheroes, plucked them from the depths of the public domain, and completely redesigned and reinvented them for the modern day. It's an exciting cast of characters, and we're throwing them up against the threat of a Lovecraftian apocalypse. It's got action, it's got drama, it's got alternate dimensions and alien worlds, and it's even got a giant shark in a Hawaiian shirt. What else could you want? But... In order to make this comic a reality, we need your help. The comic is crowdfunding now, and you can help support it by going to crowdfunder.com slash paragonscomic. That's crowdfunder, without the E, dot com slash paragonscomic. You'll be able to find that link in the show notes, so please double check if you didn't quite get it. Please help make this comic a reality. We are counting on your support. And now, on with the show. You're the same person as him, but from an alternate timeline. Yes. In which you and I are friends. Yeah, you're, you're like probably my best friend. Yeah. Well, but you're a bit, you're uh, chronologically different. Older. Well, and that, that's what I can't understand. I traveled back in time from here to here, yet somehow everything's all changed back here. Or like when you were born, so. Well, time isn't linear, right? Right. At some point, we probably saw a movie that told you that if you went back and changed the past, you'd create a kind of a branched timeline, right? Look. New present and new future. Yeah. Well, time doesn't work like that. That's not how time works. When you go back and change the past, you create a fulcrum. You put yourself on a whole nother strand of spaghetti. New future, new past. It's retrocausal. It goes both ways. Actually, it goes many ways. Maybe some other time. 
Okay, but in an ontological paradox model, there's not a... What you did was you changed the future and you changed the past. If a person is stupid enough to mess with time, what you eventually end up with is this. The multiverse. Some strands run almost parallel. There will be inevitable intersections and others that are just wildly divergent. But it is, it's a hot mess. It's a crapshoot. It's all just a crapshoot. What's the parmesan mean? The metaphor's over, it's just a garnish. And I'll tell you something. A person would have to be an idiot to play craps with a space-time continuum. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and welcoming a new guest today, and that is Isaac Walker. Isaac, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm really excited to chop it up with you about comics and this crazy movie. I'm really <laughs> excited to give my two cents on it. Yeah, I've got uh, I, I've got I've got some thoughts about this movie. I'm probably gonna be coming in a little bit hot. <laughs> um, because my <laughs> opinion good. um uh my opinion uh, does not um, – usually with, when it comes to a lot of these movies, my opinion over time kind of mellows a little bit. But in in the months since I first saw this movie, uh, my that has definitely not happened. Uh, but <laughs> but we'll get to that. Uh, before we get to that, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? All right. So my name, as you just said before, is Isaac Walker. Um, I'm a new podcaster. I'm the host of the Bright Brains podcast. Uh, that's brains with a Z on the end. We're available on all major podcast platforms, and it's new. I just started about a month ago. We have about twenty-four episodes, and we update every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So basically, the podcast is about anything and everything. We like to talk about a lot of social issues, what's going on in the world. I like to talk to people who are who have expertise on the issue. Uh, for example, um, I got an episode coming up uh, about the environmental issue in East Palestine, Ohio. Um, we talked did a couple episodes about AI, which is something that is going to be affecting everybody's life. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what kind of job you work in, no matter what you do, AI is changing everything. I mean, I've been doing this podcasting for about a month, and I feel like AI has radically changed the social media landscape so yeah we, we talk about it uh anything that's major is happening in the news we talk about we also talk about uh paranormal uh things like for example i have an episode coming out monday we're talking about these mummies that were found in the nazca caves that are supposedly aliens so we we get into that and, uh, you know, I interviewed a guy who lived in a haunted apartment. That's probably my most popular episode. So, again, we're on all podcast platforms and uh, we're also on YouTube. So just go to YouTube, type in Bright Brains with a Z and uh, give us a listen. Awesome. And uh, we'll have that link in the show notes as well for people to, to check out. Uh, they can just click on that easily. Um, three times a week, man. Where do you find the time? Yeah, it's it's not easy, man. But, you know, I have, like, before I started, I built up a nice little buffer of episodes. So, you know, I just, when I'm not working, I just meet up with people. I send them an email. 
And uh, I tend to make my episodes about 45 minutes or so. So they're not like massive affairs, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get the content out there, trying to build a brand. And if you're listening right now and you're interested in what I'm talking about, just give us a listen, you know, get in on the ground floor. We also have a Facebook page uh, where you can get updates and interact with me. So just be sure and check it out. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I listened a little bit to um, to one of the AI episodes because yeah, AI uh, is something that's definitely of interest to me, uh, and it, it's it's helped my workflow actually a lot. Um, being a being a writer, it's helped me organize stuff for my books, um, helped out with marketing stuff, and uh, as a teacher, it's even helped out with um, generating things like you know vocabulary sh- lists and and stuff like that. So it's 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 um it's definitely changing a lot of things and uh um it'll be very inter- interesting to see where things go from here yeah <clears throat> definitely um so what made you want to start the podcast in the first place you know i just wanted to get firsthand experience you know i feel like so much of the media isn't giving you the full story and sometimes there would be a story that would pop up in the media and I would want more information about Mm -hmm. it. You know, I would like, I want to know more about what's going on. A lot of times a news uh, story will be in the media or on social media for about a week and then it'll disappear. And I'm still wondering like what's happening to these people that were affected by, you know, say something that's happening in the middle East Mm -hmm. or something uh, that's happening here in our own backyard and I just wanted to connect with people, get the story out, get a human element to it, you know. And uh, like, for example, I did a couple episodes about AI and, you know, the way the media talks about this, I feel they don't really come from the common man perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. they don't talk about how this is going to affect us. And I just want to kind of break it down into a way that ordinary people can understand. And mm-hmm. so I figure, you know, if. I need to create my own space where people can go and uh, get more information about stories during the media, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, perfect example of we're recording this uh, in early December, just a few days after after Henry Kissinger died. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, talking about the way media covers things like, you know, there, there's all these fawning articles about him and none of it talking about exactly. you know, all the war crimes he was responsible for. Uh, so, exactly. yeah, I definitely. Yeah. And I that's something I encountered myself when I started to probably when I was uh, university age, because I was, you know, I entered university right before the Iraq war and seeing uh, all the all the media spin about the Iraq war and just being like, something doesn't feel right about this. And then having to seek out other sources of information. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that the, and, I, and I'm not, you know, a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but there is definitely uh there's definitely certain perspectives that the media doesn't always cover. Um, things like things are a little bit, better there are a lot more options these days like i think 10 years ago you wouldn't have gotten some of the articles about kissinger that that you're getting today or about um or about what's happening in is with israel and palestine i don't think 10 years ago you would not have seen any negative coverage of that at all but uh some stuff is starting to break through little by little um uh but anyway we're not here to talk too much about current events or or politics we're here to talk about superheroes so uh what is your what is your history with superheroes? 
I have been a huge comic book nerd pretty much since the day I was born. My father was a ma- is a massive comic book nerd, and he shared his love with me. I've been reading uh, mainly Marvel comics since I was a child. You know, every uh, Sunday after church, me and my dad, we would go to a comic book store and get the newest issues, you know, like Spider-Man. I grew up reading uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, I, I love that. That's probably mm-hmm. my main go-to uh, comic. And from there, I just fell in love, like pretty much every superhero cartoon in existence. The, or I remember the OG 1990s Spider-Man cartoon mm-hmm. on Fox Kids. You know, that's my favorite. I still watch that to this day. And of course, you have the original Batman uh, yes. that was on, uh, was it uh, Warner? That was, that was also on Fox. WB, yeah. It was on, it was it on start, Fox. Yeah, yeah it started off on Fox, and then the last season is when they switched over to Kids WB. Mm-hmm. And as a person who grew up on comics, you know, it's amazing to see how mainstream superhero mm-hmm. culture has become. You know, it used to be you would go to see a comic book movie and there might be like five people in the audience. And now you're going to see Avengers Infinity War Endgame and you can barely get a ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's wild. And everybody is totally into this now. It used to be if you talked about this stuff, you were like a nerd. And now it's it's mainstream. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing to see how big it's gotten, you know. Absolutely. But hey, yeah. I love it. Yes, yeah, same yeah. here. I uh, I am definitely not one of those people who um bemoans all the all the new people who are getting into superheroes. For me, I love it. I love that my kids are gonna be able to grow up in a world where if they get into superheroes, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to hide it like a lot of people felt mm-hmm. like they had to. Um because uh, I remember, you know, when I was in high school, it felt like I was the only one who was reading comics. And then, you know, nowadays I see all all the people I went to high school with post about this comic book and that comic book. Like, where the hell were you guys, you know, 20 years ago when I wanted to talk about this stuff? Exactly. Here's a perfect example of that is uh, the comic Invincible. You know, mm-hmm. I remember reading that when it was just, you know, a comic. And now it's a hit show on Amazon and everybody's talking about it and. I'm like, you know, you guys are late to the show. I mean, I'm glad you guys enjoy this. But, like, it's crazy hearing people talk about their theories about what they think is going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I already know what's going to happen next. I read the <laughs> comic. And, but I, I'm glad to see, uh, you know, the creator of Invincible, Robert Kirkman. He's a great mm-hmm. writer. He's also the creator of The Walking Dead. I'm, right. I'm really excited to see him get his shine. I'm also excited to see what he's going to cook up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Kirkman's, uh, I've only read some of his comics. I've read the first Invincible Trade. I haven't read any of The Walking Dead yet, but that is on my list along with like 50,000 other books (laughs) I haven't had a chance to read yet. Um, But that's definitely on my list as well. Um, uh, But I did read some of his Marvel stuff when he was working for Marvel, like some of his uh, his work Mm -hmm. on, on, I think it was Ultimate X-Men he did for a bit. Um, Yeah. He did Ant-Man for a bit. Also Marvel Zombies. Marvel Zombies, yes. He uh, he did the the first book of that. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, good stuff there. Um, So, and and it seems like with with Invincible and Walking Dead, and didn't he do, um, what's it, Astounding Wolfman too, I think, is the name of it? Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a good one as well. You know, um, the thing about Walking Dead, the comic, is great. Walking Dead, the TV show, I kind of stopped, like, after the third season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was like, yeah, I'm not into this. But Invincible, the cartoon, is a perfect adaptation. It's uh, the points where they did change. 
it's made the show a little bit better. Um, I don't know if you've uh, planned to talk about that. Uh, on your Not podcast, yet. I, I've only seen um, we with TV shows. It's kind of it depends on kind of the nature because just because it's it's such a big time commitment. So um, mm. we do occasional episodes on TV show. We got um, uh, usually try to focus on stuff that's a little bit shorter or more compact. Um, so like we've got an episode on WandaVision uh, uh, that that we. By by the time people listen to this, they would have already heard the WandaVision episode. But um, but at the time of this recording, it's not been released yet. Um, but yeah, we've done stuff like that. We did uh, we did a massive deep dive into HBO's Watchmen um, back with my with my late co-host, and we had we covered that with like we covered that over three episodes just because there was so much to talk about with that show. Um, so we do occasional TV shows, but it's just, it's, it's such a big time commitment that it's, um, it's something I try to move the focus more to movies. Um, but we might get to invincible, uh, at one point. Um, I have seen, I've only seen the first episode of the first season. I haven't seen anything else of it yet, but, um, that first episode was pretty cool. And I could tell just from after reading that first, uh, invincible volume, and just how 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 they made changes just with that from that first episode compared to that first whole volume. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, definite some changes there. Uh, but today we are going to be talking about well before we get into the into the flash. Um, what what kind of stuff are you interested in lately? What's kind of grabbing your interest these days? So right now I'm just about done with the new Spider Man uh, game on PS5. I don't know if you've Spider-Man 2? Uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2. So I'm, I think I'm close to the end. Not yet. I don't know if you've played it. If so, no, no spoilers. Yet, no. Yeah, but yeah. So it's a great game. Um, it's good, but it also kind of feels like a DLC. Mm. It feels kind of like... It, it, it feels like it's not its own original game. I mean, don't mm. get me wrong. It is great. I, I say I give it a 9. But it also just kind of feels like it's just sort of a rehash of the first game. You know, I probably got, might uh, talk about a little bit on the Facebook page of my Bright Brains podcast. But it's definitely a great game. Um, I really like how they're telling the story of Venom. I like how they have Craven the Hunter in the game. And it is fun. It's definitely great to play as Miles Morales. And uh, I love what PlayStation is doing with the Spider-Man brand. So what about you, man? What are you into right lately? So uh, first off, I, I am envious that you're able to play Spider-Man 2. I don't have a PS5 yet. Uh, that's, um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's it's something that's definitely on my list because um, we've got, got Spider-Man 2 out on there. Uh, they got Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is coming out uh, next year. Um what else they've got? Uh, there's that Wolverine game that's going to be coming out for it. I think they also announced mm-hmm. an Iron Man game coming out as well. So um, there's the the Suicide Squad game, which I know it's been getting it's got a lot of negative coverage, yeah. but I'm still but I love the Suicide Squad. So I'm still curious to check it out. Um, Same here. Yeah. So, I'm going to check it out. Um, one thing, though, is I don't know if you've played the Gotham Knights game. I have not, but I heard that it was not good. But I'm still that's yeah, also one I'm curious. Good. I'm also curious to to play that, though, too. Yeah, I played it for like maybe like three days and I was just like, yeah, I can't get into this. It had a lot of potential mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that the Suicide Squad game doesn't turn out like that way either. You know, because yeah. I yeah. like Rocksteady. They're the creator of the mm-hmm. Arkham games, which. Yes have been phenomenal all three well 
technically it's four, but I think they yeah. But made... although they didn't do the they didn't do Origins, that was um that was W yeah. Montreal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, but the three games they've done have been amazing. Yes, agreed. And um, and now they've got uh, now that they released Arkham Knight on Switch, they released um, uh, a new uh, Batman skin from uh, the Robert Pattinson version. So oh, yeah, um, and, I, and they said they're going to be doing they're going to also going to be releasing that on the PlayStation versions. I think this month is when they're going to be releasing that. So um, another excuse to go back into, into Arkham Knight for like the fifth time, instead of playing all the other games yeah. that, I got, that I have not played yet. Um, but yeah, I, I am looking forward to getting the PS five. I, I was watching like a one, two punch of like a Spider-Man two trailer and then a final fantasy seven rebirth trailer. And I just told my wife, I'm like, next year I got to get a PS five. I don't, there's too much <laughs> stuff coming out that I have to play. Um, yeah. It's definitely awesome system. Yeah, but uh, but for my part, what I've been into uh, lately is I've been watching um, the Fall of the House of Usher on on Netflix. Uh, just watching mm-hmm. it like in bits and pieces here, um, and man, that sh- that show's pretty good. It's pretty compelling. It's, uh, it's very creepy. Um, I'm not a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe, so I don't get all the references that other people have mentioned, but I do catch some here and there. So it's been really cool to see how they've managed to work in all the, how it's basically, you know, it's based on this one short story, but they're working in all these other elements from Poe's body of work and setting it in the modern day and reflecting on things like, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry and just like the way that they, that they do business and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. That's, that's really, really interesting to watch. It's, it's really really compelling uh show so if anyone hasn't checked that out i definitely recommend that i'm only a few episodes in but it's it's good stuff we'll have to check that out um another thing i've been into um is mark millar he's a comic book writer and he recently had a mini series at image called big game Mm -hmm. which has tied in all of his work into one story um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Wanted. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh I I I am <laughs> let's just say I am not a fan of Mark Miller. <laughs> um I've got a lot of issues <laughs> with him. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people do. I like his work, like I said earlier, the Ultimate Comics, um, like Ultimate Spider Man, which was by Bendis, but yeah. at that time they had the line, they had Ultimates, which was mm-hmm. a retelling of the Avengers. Right. That that whole series, Ultimates one, two, and three, man, that's him. That's well, three was three was out, Jeff Loeb. Three, uh, that he he did so, one and two though. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right, so yeah, one and two. Um, if you have to check out any of Mark Millar's work, I would definitely read those two volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's him firing on all cylinders. That that's perfect. Wanted is kind of kind of icky, kind of mm. sticky. You know, especially in today's current uh, zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, this book, Big Game, is kind of a course correction. Okay. I don't want to spoil it, but if once it left a nasty taste in your mouth, Big Game corrects it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a palate cleanser. So okay. I would I would tell people to check that out as well. I mean, I thought. Um... I really liked Red Sun, the, the Superman book he did. Uh, the Elseworlds. oh yeah, and yeah. after reading that, I just it 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 made me want to smack him and just say like, why can't you write like that all the time? Because it was <laughs> it was it was such a mature book. It was so well written, and um, just a lot of his other stuff. Like, yeah, I was into his Ultimate stuff 
back in the day when it was being published. Um, but then a few years back, I did a reread through all the Ultimate books, and Ultimate mm-hmm. Spider-Man still slaps. Like that, you know, Ben. That yeah. you know, talk about firing on all cylinders. That was Bendis firing on all cylinders. That in his in his Daredevil stuff, just amazing work. Um, but Ultimate X-Men and, and Ultimates, the Miller stuff, I just. <laughs> I, I just couldn't. I couldn't, it, it's it does not appeal to me in the way it, it appealed to me back then. And um, yeah, I, I find myself it after after reading through rereading the Ultimates, it made me want to go back and read uh, the music Perez Avengers instead as my calendar mm. cleanser. I need um, to go back and do a reread as well. It's been mm-hmm. such a long time. There is um, we had a we had a, uh, a previous guest on this show. Um, who hosts uh, a podcast called the the 1610 incursion and they're doing like a complete reread of all the ultimate books. So, so that's also a pretty good uh, podcast if you're interested in checking that out um, because they, they go through like all the ultimate books in chronological order. So They're going from like the start and just kind of going through the whole thing in each episode. So that's pretty, that's been interesting way to, to kind of re-experience the ultimate books as well. Um, But anyway, as we mentioned before, we're talking about uh, the Flash. Um, the suppose supposedly the end of the um, the the DC extended universe. Although we had Blue Beetle, which is kind of like partly DCEU, partly um, uh, the new the Gunverse that's being set up, and then we still have Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom. But this is but the Flash was really kind of supposed to be. It was intended to be. A lot of different things, a lot of different points. Like this movie yeah. has had. A, I don't think they knew what it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that definitely yeah. shows in the finished product. Um, uh, yeah. Before we dive into uh, the Flash too much, what wh- what was your? How did you feel about the DC Extended Universe and the Snyderverse and all that kind of stuff? Man, a missed opportunity, a mm-hmm. massive, massive missed opportunity. I don't know. Who was in the boardroom? You know, I don't know, like, who was making decisions. I don't know if it was Zack Snyder. I don't know if who it was. But I don't understand how Warner Brothers fumbled the ball Mm -hmm. like this so badly. I mean, they own DC Comics, which has Superman, Mm -hmm. Batman, Wonder Woman. These are all household names. The biggest superheroes there are. Why is this so hard to make good movies? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they had a couple of good ones. You know, Man of Steel, I have issues about. I like Man of Steel up until he kills General Zod. You know, I don't want to get too, you know, into that. And then Wonder Woman, the first one was good. Oh, yes. But everything else, yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, my God. Mm-hmm. What were they thinking? Yeah. That was just a horrendous movie. Lex Luthor was miscast. And of all the things you could have Batman and Superman do, and this is what they did. Mm-hmm. And then you got Wonder Woman 1984, which that was, was that one hurts. That one hurt. Like uh, yeah. I was so excited about that movie after you know, like you said, the the first Wonder Woman was amazing, and then to mm-hmm. go from that into into 1984 was just it was a it was a real letdown. Um, Aquaman though, I, I I dug Aquaman a lot. That was a lot of fun. I did not. Aquaman okay. was way too bloated. I mean, hey, if you like it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. To me, I felt Aquaman 
was way too bloated. It felt like they tried to do way too much. They did that put a lot like of there was a movies. lot in that movie. Yeah, yeah, there there was yeah. a lot. It did kind of feel like James Wan felt this is the only chance we're going to get to make an Aquaman movie. So let's put everything in the Aquaman movie. Yeah, that and and this is going to be controversial. I do not think that Jason Momoa is a good actor. Really? I, well, I don't know how you feel about no. There's a there's a sameness to his performance. He's got a stick and he he leans into the stick. So he, very similar yeah. to like Dwayne Johnson or Ryan Reynolds. He he knows he knows what his fans like and he just and he kind of leans into that. Mm, I, I can agree with that. I'm I'm interested to see what the next Aquaman movie is, how that's going to be. And what's interesting is they're not advertising it at all. Yeah, it supposedly yeah. comes out this month. Mm-hmm. Supposedly right, comes out yeah. in December. Yeah, I have. I've only seen one trailer. I've seen no ads. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nobody's speaking about this. And I'm wondering if they're just gonna. They know it's a stinker, and they're just trying to quietly get it out there and just get it get it done with just rip mm. the band-aid off i think that's what they're doing but i don't know i don't know if you've heard anything about the sequel i mean there's there's so much swirling around out there and and one of the big problems is you know going back to our earlier discussion about about the media these days there's so much clickbait out there so it's it's so hard to know what is true and what's not so um i mean i, I saw the trailers and it looks the trailers look good. I, I I enjoy what I see in the trailers, so I'm curious to see what happens with it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean the Man of Steel I feel like is half a great Superman movie, and then the other half is just not not bad, not a bad movie, but not Superman. Like I for me when yeah. when I checked out of it was um, when Jonathan dies. Like at that point, the the oh, tornado yeah, scene that yeah. that's when I check out of it. Um, but like that first half of it, you know, when he's going around the world, he's going around saving people, um, all of that. And you've got, you know, you've got Lois like investigating him and figuring out who he is. All of that I thought was great. I thought that was a great twist on the mythos and, you know, great performances. Henry Cavill got, you know, freaking robbed. You know, he he deserved such a better movie. And it's yeah, so much same. better treatment than just to be used as a pawn in, you know, Dwayne Johnson's power play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that Black Adam movie. My God, that was bad. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely like the end of the DCEU yeah. right there. You know, um, man, you know, what's crazy is I heard I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that Dwayne Johnson has this clause in his movies where he cannot lose a fight at all so oh really <laughs> the thing yeah that's what i've heard i don't know if it's true or not and basically the whole black adam movie is just him beating up hawkman you know mm-hmm. and i'm like, like if you go back and watch that i think hawkman only at one time he had like maybe one hit but the whole movie is just hawkman getting beat up yeah i'm like yeah what is this and then at the end they kind of little rush they have a rushed conclusion and they throw in like this sort of bad guy and they're like, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big Black Adam fan in the comics, so I'm not as familiar with him as others are. But you know, my biggest exposure to him was in the in the 52 comic book series. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it just feels like this is a case of because when you know he'd been fan cast as Black Adam for so long because and back when yeah, it just because back then he had like the same hairstyle as him. And it just felt exactly. like that was the only reason why. Otherwise, like you look at his performances, you look at Black Adam and in again, limited exposure to him in the comics, but 
doesn't seem like a Dwayne Johnson type at all. So I don't know when they, I mean, I, I thought Pierce Rosen was great as uh, Dr. Fate and that was about the best thing. I could yeah, say about he that was. Movie. Yeah. I liked him. I even, even though he got beat up all the time, I liked Hawkman. I liked that they had uh Adam Smasher in there. Mm. I liked, uh, I don't forget the girl's name. I think her name was Twister or Twister something. Twister or something like that. You know, yeah, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, you know, I wish I had saw more of them mm-hmm. in there. But I think they had uh, an inkling of potential. They had yeah. an inkling of, like, a good idea with the movie. But then it's just, you know, it just became Dwayne Johnson's vehicle. And then what gets me is that at the end, you see Henry Cavell's Superman mm-hmm. show up. And I'm like, it would have been more interesting to have Shazam. Zachary Levy, I forget Mm -hmm. his name. Zachary Levy. They should have had him. Yeah, Zachary Levy. They should have had him show up. That would have been phenomenal. Like, I mean, after all, Black Adam is Shazam's arch villain. Right. But, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. You know, I think uh, Dwayne, he just has an ego. And, Mm -hmm. hey, he's the biggest man in Hollywood. If I was him, I'd have an ego, too. So, (laughs) But it's interesting. I wonder if they're going to bring him back in Tim Gunn's universe. I don't think so. I feel like he's burned a lot of bridges with with the antics he played with with Black Adam. So I doubt he'll be um, he'll be coming back. So, yeah. um, So um, when it comes to the Flash, though, specifically, uh, what did you think of Ezra Miller when you saw him in uh, in Justice League? So here's the thing. I think Ezra Miller has been totally miscast as the Flash. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to be playing Barry Allen, but they they turned him... I don't even want to say he's playing Wally West because Wally West likes to joke around, mm-hmm. but this character, he's like nerdy. He's like, I don't even... Annoying. He's not even fun. He's just mm-hmm. annoying. You know, he, he's just... Like he has Asperger's or something. Which, I was gonna say uh, it's uh, like yeah, it's like he's it's like he's autistic Peter Parker or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and you know I don't. That's the thing about the DCEU is they just took so many wild changes mm-hmm. to the characters. You know, like Aquaman is this uh, biker dude who likes to get drunk all the time, mm-hmm. and you know the Flash. The whole concept that they took with this character is just the Flash deserved better. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of DC's most iconic characters, and they could have done so much with this. Yeah. The fact that we had a Flash movie and none of the Rogues show up, mm-hmm. we don't get Captain Code, we don't get uh, Captain Boomerang, we don't get a uh, Mirror Master or Gorilla Grodd. Mm-hmm. All those great villains. He has. Probably the second best rogues gallery after Spider Man. Mm-hmm. We have all these great characters, and instead we get this. I don't even think it's supposed to be Reverse Flash. I don't want to jump too far ahead, uh, but the movie had no villain really. It yeah. You know that's my yeah that's my main gripe with it. There was no villain except yeah. for like. 12 seconds in the end. You're right. Yeah, it's just like this. I mean, first off, the Ezra Miller part of it. I mean, yeah, they were completely miscast. I, you know, as many problems as I have with the Snyder films, and there and there's a laundry list of problems I have with them. <laughs> um, but two things that I cannot fault them for, uh, and what two things that I think Snyder did very well was one, the casting was almost always on point. 
And two, the costumes were almost always on point. You know, both of those things, I think he had done a really good job with like Henry Cavill, like we were talking about Ben Affleck, who was, you know, the internet exploded when he got cast, but I'm, but I thought he'd be a pretty good, do a pretty, make a pretty good Batman. And I think based on what we've seen of him in Batman V Superman and both versions of justice league. And then, and then here in this movie, you know, talk about Henry Cavill being robbed. I think Ben Affleck also got robbed. I think he could have been an yeah, incredible. I, I mean, if he had gotten uh, his own solo Batman movie, I think we'd be talking about him in the same breath as we talk about like Michael Keaton or Christian Bale. I think he would have been probably the best Batman we've ever gotten. Um, you know, Gal Gadot. Speaking of um, casting. Oh, sorry, go I ahead. Let me cut you off. I just want to say, uh, speaking of casting choices, I'm going to say something that's probably going to shock you. All right. Uh, I'm having a brain fart right now, and I can't remember this actor's name, but I liked his Joker. Oh. All right, and Suicide Squad. Jared Leto? Yeah, I liked his – Jared Leto, that's it. I was, I was drawing a blank. I actually liked his Joker, and I wish we could have saw more of it. Well, I liked the different take. Yeah, you are definitely in the minority there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I actually liked it. I liked his, like, kind of gangster, crazy – you know, guy, and I wish we could have had him really face off with Batman in a proper movie. Yeah, we you know, <laughs> definitely agree to disagree on that. I I hate it. That was one <laughs> yeah, of the I casting choices I did not like. Um, like you know, the the ones that I didn't like were Jared Leto, obviously. Um, uh, who's Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor was another miscast. Um, oh I think, yeah, that was horrendous. I mean, I think he could have. If he had done it more like he did Zuckerberg in The Social Network, I think yeah. he could have ma- had an interesting take on Lex Luthor. But instead, it's like it's it's like somebody watched Jim Carrey in Batman Forever and said, "We need this, but with like a a truckload of more cocaine." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought about when I was watching that movie. It's like, who is he supposed to be like? Did somebody get the Riddler and Lex Luthor mixed up? Yeah. Because Lex Luthor has never been this sort of like animaniac hyper character. He's no, I mean, even when he was calculating. Yeah. Even when you had like the, the campier version in uh, Gene Hackman, he still was not like this over the top. It was it was unbelievable. But um, yeah. and then the and then the third one that I had really big problems with the casting choice was Ezra Miller, because, you know, in both versions of Justice League, both the the Whedon version and the Snyder cut, it's just he was easily the worst part of both of those movies. And yeah. and there's a lot to not like about both those versions of the movie, but like it's he was just terrible. And I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's here's one of the things I don't get. And this is a similar complaint I have with like Jared Leto as the Joker. I mean, you have you have Jared Leto playing the Joker. If you're going to have the Joker, you need to have someone who can actually laugh. Jared Leto, I don't know what his laugh was, but it did not sound like <laughs> it's just like this weird. Ah, 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 ah. It sounded like he was having he had like throat problems or something. And then mm-hmm. and then with Ezra Miller, if you're going to cast someone as the Flash, they should know how to run. He does this weird yeah. like swimming thing yeah. every time he runs. And even here in the beginning, when he puts on the when he changes the costume and he does this weird, like flamingo pose before he, I'm like, that's not how anybody ever starts a run. Mm. Well, I think, uh, I, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but he was doing an interview and he was talking about the running and he was saying the reason he did it like that is because the flash is supposed to be like moving through the speed force. He's not really running 
he's sort of like pushing time aside or something like that. And when I heard him explain it, it still looks goofy. But mm. after hearing him explain it, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it, you know. But yeah, just and then with the whole casting of Ezra Miller, we have to bring up the fact that, that they're sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my God, it was like he just—I don't know what it is. He sees a woman, he has to hit him. Mm. I don't know what it is, man. But yeah, and. I was actually surprised that they actually let this movie come out. You know, yeah. I think it was sunk cost fallacy. They spent so much time and money in it that it had to. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, in fact, you have uh, one of the things I one of the things I put in my notes here was you'd think a guy who who spent so much time running from the law would actually know how to run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true, man. That is true. You know, um, and the crazy thing is, is that they have a whole movie that's finished, a Batgirl movie. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. And they they won't even put it on HBO Max. Right. It must it's, have been really bad. I don't even I don't even know if it was bad. I think it was just the it's just Zaslav is just a pure numbers guy. He's just purely based on on the money. And so they saw that, mm. OK, Batgirl only costs X amount to make. We made it just for streaming. So what we can do instead is we can just, you know, write it off as a loss and get a tax break. So he probably figured it'd be more mm-hmm. profitable that as opposed to uh, it, it'd be more profitable as a tax break than it would be to try to release it or to, to license it out to other platforms or anything like that. And same thing he did. Like he, I mean, he tried to, to shit can that um, John Cena Acme movie as well. And now, you know, Oh yeah. Um, but you know, it's and you know it it drives me nuts when I think about the Batgirl situation because you have both these movies. You have Batgirl, you have the Flash, and they decide we're going to release the Flash and we're going to shit can Batgirl. And it's just, I mean, I think I would have much rather seen Batgirl as opposed to to whatever the hell this movie was. And I don't think it's yeah. about you know Batgirl being bad or anything like that. I don't think Zaslav even knows. I don't think Zaslav likes movies at all. Like he's, you know, he's just this numbers guy. He's responsible for reality TV crap, like, you know, Honey Boo Boo and all that. And the toddlers and tiaras and all this kind of like, you know, really revolting lowest common denominator shit. So he's not someone. I hate reality TV. Yeah. I mean, he is not someone who seems to know anything about storytelling or craft. He's not someone who likes movies. I don't think he likes movies at all. He does not strike me as someone who in, actually enjoys watching movies. Um, and it shows it with the way he's with the way the, he's making these decisions. And I'm pretty sure that his calculus was we dropped all this money into the flash. So even though our star is a sociopath who is, you know, running from the fucking law right now, um, <laughs> it's still so much money we invested in that a tax break is not going to give us even a fraction of that back. So we have to try to break even on it. Whereas Batgirl, it's like, eh, it only costs X amount of money, so we can just write this off and it won't be that big of a loss. And I'm really sure, yeah, I'm exactly. positive that's what it was. Because this is just... I mean, this movie had so many problems. It's gone through director after director after director. Um, and for the life of me, you know, one of the things one of the things that drives me nuts about The Flash is the fact that Flashpoint has become like this definitive story for him. Because we've yeah. now had this is now the third freaking version of Flashpoint we've had. We got it. You know, we got the Flashpoint Paradox animated movie. We got, you know. 
you know, this, what was it? Season, season three of the flash. They did, they opened up with a, with a flashpoint, their version of flashpoint. Then we get this movie and I'm just like, guys, there are other flash stories besides flashpoint. Yeah, you don't have exactly. to doing this one. Yeah. It's kind of like uh Flashpoint is to the Flash what Dark Knight Returns is to Batman. It, yeah, very you know, good. It yeah. feels like, yeah, people who are new to comics, they read like Dark Knight Returns and they're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest Batman uh, comic of all time. And it is good. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that like Flashpoint has become sort of the mainstream Flash story, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad because there are so many great Flash stories out there. Like I was saying at the beginning, like, why we didn't just have a movie with the rogues in it, mm-hmm. you know, and have him fight all of them. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, I actually liked the uh, Jai Courtney's boomerang. I wanted to see. Yes, more I actually, you know, I don't like Jai Courtney, but he was, he was fun. I got to, I got to give mm-hmm. him props. Like I thought, I don't like him in generally, but he was, he was, uh, he was fun in, in both Suicide Squads, like his very brief appearance at the beginning of, of James Gunn's version, but also in the, yeah. and he was one of David Ayer's version. He was one of the, the few bright spots of that movie. Yeah, same. And uh, I would love to see Captain Code, Heat Wave, Mirror mm. Master, Weather Wizard. Imagine going to the movies and seeing all of that. That oh, would yeah. have been an action movie extravaganza. And instead, we just get this film that only has maybe three fight scenes in it. Mm-hmm. If I'm thinking maybe three, and then most of it is just Ezra Miller talking to himself. Yeah. And if you thought Ezra Miller uh, as Flash is annoying, they introduced a younger one who's even more annoying. Exactly. You know? And it was just like, oh, my God. But that, I, I will say this. That yeah. is something else I wrote in my notes. Like, who the fuck thought two Ezra Millers would be a good idea? <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's give them a, a double dose of mm-hmm. it. But I will say this. If I have to do give Ezra Miller any credit, I think he did a good job acting in this. He made uh, the the present uh, Barry and the past Barry seem different. Mm-hmm. You know, they they seem like two distinct berries, if that makes sense. No, no, it. I, I don't like either performance, but you, but I will give you that he did do a good job differentiating the two, besides just having different hairstyles. So, so yeah, I will give mm-hmm. you that. Um, but God, in both cases, like this is just like you said, this is not Barry Allen. This is not Wally West. This isn't. I don't know. I mean, one of the one of the criticisms I remember, uh, Flash hat fans having about Grant Gustin is that he seems maybe a little bit more Wally West than Barry, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, understandable, but, but I still thought Gustin did a pretty decent job. And even though the last, the last like three seasons of the show were borderline unwatchable, but the, but Gustin did a pretty good job. Also, you know, talking about the rogues, like Leonard's, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wentworth Miller as, as Captain Cold was mm-hmm. amazing. I love. I wish we yeah, could have saw. Yeah. I, I was so disappointed when he died because he was such a mm-hmm. great addition to that to that universe. Um, and yeah, have, and you know, just just so happens I am reading um, uh, Josh Williamson's Flash Run now, and I've got, just got to the trade about. Um, I think it's Rogue's Reign is what it's called when you know Captain Cold, like you know, 
powers up all the rogues and they like take over central city. Yeah. Um, and that's, and it's really good stuff. And I'm really curious to read that. There is that rogues, uh, series that DC did under their, um, black label, black label. Yeah. yeah. And that looks really cool. I'm like, I'm not a huge flash fan, so I'm not super familiar with the rogues, but I know enough to know that that looks like something interesting. Um, mm. But this, it does feel like this movie was written and directed by people who don't have never read any Flash comics because it just doesn't like even exactly. me not being a not being super well versed in the Flash. Like, but knowing enough, I can I know at least that I'm like, okay, this does not seem like any version of the Flash I have ever read. It seems like somebody just read a Wikipedia summary of Flashpoint exactly and just took like the main idea of that and. Not that's not necessarily a bad idea because Marvel does that a lot with their movies. They take like these basic concepts from the comic books and then they weave new stories o- around them. You know, um, I thought I thought Marvel's uh, ver- ver- movie version of Civil War was far superior to the comic. Um, you know, Infinity War as they just took the title of Infinity War, but the main story was basically the infinity gauntlet, but even still, they just took that basic idea of Thanos getting the infinity stones. And then they built this whole different story around it and it worked out and it worked Mm -hmm. out excellently. So they can do that. and It can work out good, but this is just, it doesn't feel like anybody had any love for this character. Yeah. It wasn't even a good flashpoint story. For example, in the comics, uh, when he went back in time and he messed up the timeline, you know, he came back to a world where Aquaman and Wonder Woman were fighting each other, like mm-hmm. Atlantis and Themyscira were at war. Uh, Superman had been captured and locked up for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman, Batman's father was, or Bruce Wayne's father was Batman, and he right. uses guns, and he's a lot more deadly. It's like all these cool concepts. Why didn't we see that on screen? Well, I mean, especially because, you know, going back to Batman v Superman, they had Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing Thomas Wayne in that movie. And Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Dean Morgan would make an amazing Flashpoint Batman. He would have been great in that. And and that's not to diss Michael Keaton at all, because I think Michael Keaton is one of the very few bright spots in this movie. He is completely he has not missed a beat at all he is he slips right back into that character and from the start that he comes on screen he just he just takes over this movie like the first up until you see michael keaton the first you know part portion of this movie is borderline unwatchable it's just terrible it's a slog it's so bad and we have to go through all this stuff with barry talking to himself and it's just and he's, you know, the weird roommate conversation about, you know, about how Back to the Future now stars Eric Stoltz and all these weird yeah. things like Kevin Bacon is now in Top Gun and all these. I'm like, OK, the Eric Stoltz thing, that's funny. But you guys are just beating that joke to death now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let me, we talk about the first half. We have to talk about that horrible CGI where oh. he's saving the babies at the hospital. That, I don't know. Who came up with that? That who is came just, up with that? That is just... It, yeah. It is... Because, okay, so here's what happened when I... Because I was going to see this movie in the theater. Um, but uh-huh. the day before I was going to go see it in the movie, I got COVID. So I couldn't go see it. Uh-huh. And so instead, I ended up watching a um, a version that I obtained through 
let's say other means because I couldn't leave it <laughs> <I gotcha>. out. <laughs> and when I saw that scene, I thought, oh my God, this, this version is just a terrible quality, right? That it's what, but then I saw it, uh-huh. I saw it last night and I'm watching, you know, the regular high def version. And I'm just like, no, that wasn't a problem with the version of the movie I watched that that's just, that's just incredibly ugly CGI. I'm like, Putting a yeah. baby in a fucking microwave. Who thought that? Yeah, when what? I saw that in the theater, I'm like, hold on, what, 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 what did he just do? And those babies <laughs> are just nightmare fuel. I'm just like, what are we doing yeah. here? It's just. It probably would have been better if they had went to Walmart and just bought some baby dolls. Honestly, you know? yeah. And it's yeah, <laughs> man. The, and uh, I don't know who came up with that idea, but whoever it was. They need to be fired and just kicked out of the movie industry entirely. Like, yeah. find a whole other career path. You I know? mean, when that nurse Why screams, you... I'm just like, yeah, that nurse is me because <laughs> this is just so creepy. <laughs> and my thing is this, like, you're introducing the Flash in this movie and you want to show his powers, okay? I understand, you know, that they have to set the story up, but why not just have him fight some throwaway villain? You yeah. Know? Like maybe it was Captain Code who was robbing the bank. Mm-hmm. Why? Inst- why have these nameless bank robbers? Who? No, they weren't bank robbers. They were stealing some kind of chemical or something. Right. right? Yeah. And it was. Uh, it was Falcone. <laughs> Falcone's son that uh, Bruce says. Oh, hmm, I didn't even catch that. But yeah, they stole some chemical that they said if it gets out, it'll destroy Gotham. I right. don't know. But why have these nameless villains? Mm-hmm. You know. And then my thing is too is you know you got. Uh, ben Affleck is Batman, which was cool to see. But what's up with that suit he was wearing? You know what? When we when we first yeah. saw the trailers, at first I was excited because I'm like, oh, we get to see a blue suit Batman finally. And then mm-hmm. and then we see the full suit, and it's got this weird like armor plate. I'm just like, what? Because here's the thing. Again, the the Snyder suits were very well done. You've got that mm-hmm. Zack Snyder Dark Knight Returns esque suit paint the black stuff blue and then take the oval from the 89 bat suit that you've already got in this movie and just slap that on the chest. And that's all you need. It's, and it's like, it's there, there's no reason for these weird armor plates that looks almost like, I don't even know what it is. Like it's got these, all these tiny little holes in it. It's, it's so bizarre. You know what I think happened? I think after Batman versus Superman flopped, they were like, Oh, we're done with this. And they just threw out the costume department. You know, they just threw everything away. And then when they realized, like, oh, wait, we're going to have Batman come back as the flat in the Flash movie, they were like, oh, man, uh, go go climb to that dumpster out back and see if we can <laughs> cobble together a Batman costume, you know? Yeah. And that, that's literally what it looks like. It just looks slab dash put together. And, man, you know, like you said, Ben Affleck, he didn't really get a chance to shine in the DCEU mm-hmm. and to see him go out this way. It, it was just sad. He deserved better. You know, yeah. he could have done so much. And then Gal Gadot, she has like what a little five second cameo mm-hmm. in here, which was totally pointless. You know, if they're going to have her in there, have her do something, you know, yeah. have her fight. But well, I mean, especially yeah. since that's the weird thing. Cause you have all the points for of almost all the points. The only thing you're really missing here is, is cyborg. Um, mm-hmm. you know, having, you know, uh, having Supergirl, the one who ends up on earth instead of, of Superman. That's an interesting twist on that too. Um, yeah. 
I liked her actually. Yeah, I, she I again she another one of the bright yeah. spots in this movie is, is her. Um, but but yeah, everything else and even just like the the whole idea of having going back to the Zod invasion, the Kryptonian invasion. Mm. Mm, Kind of, but I think they realize really early on that there's a problem here when we've got all these Kryptonians who can't be killed, and we're exactly. just going to have these these characters go up against them. Obviously, something's not going to work here. So, and exactly, I think they would have been much, and they just completely ignore the whole thing about the um uh um. Sorry, I just got a message <laughs> come through, so it threw off my, yeah, my train right. of thought. Uh, but. You know, they, they completely get rid of the reverse flash aspect of it. So we we don't have thought mm-hmm. in here at all. And instead we get the two berries, which, like we mm-hmm. mentioned, is just bizarre and overkill. Overkill. And and we're and then we get and is and again, great scene Michael Keaton here, but it's just I don't feel like the the time travel aspect and the and stuff even makes a lot of sense. Like I don't understand how Barry changing the past suddenly transforms Ben Affleck into Michael Keaton. <laughs> it just yeah, does it not, doesn't make sense. It does not make sense yeah, at all. It it's great to see my again, great to see Michael Keaton in, in this again. I love seeing him, but I would much rather have seen him in Batgirl, where that would have made mm-hmm. much more sense of him being like an older hero, and then this younger hero comes in and and picks up the mantle, or you know a Batman, a Batman beyond movie, which he looks freaking yeah. perfect for. Um, another guest I had on recently mentioned that, uh, if you get the guy from, uh, Cobra Kai who plays, uh, Johnny's son, I, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but if you get him to play, I haven't seen Cobra Kai, but oh, I think Kai, I know you're talking Cobra about. Kai is amazing. Um, but you get the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence's son in that, um, who is, uh, Tanner Buchanan, uh, is his name. Mm-hmm. And he would, he'd make a great Terry McGinnis. This, um, my buddy was saying, I'm just like, Oh my God, I had never thought about that, but yeah, he is perfect for Terry McGinnis. And you do a Batman beyond movie. I guarantee you it would have blown this out of the water. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that would have be a billion dollar movie right there. Mm-hmm. That would sell tickets like crazy, you know? Yeah. And actually, you know, what would have been crazy, man, if they had just did Batman, put Batman beyond in there. You know, if they're going to change the timeline, you know, maybe Batman Beyond shows up. And yeah. if they had did that and like say they didn't put that in the trailer or anything and make that like an actual surprise, mm. that would have been fantastic. You know, people would have been talking about that on social media. Like this movie came out and it had no real social media presence. I feel like it was at theaters for like a week. Mm. Well, I think it's because it, it bombed so bad because everybody at Warner Brothers, it felt like. Warner Brothers, ha- I feel like Zaslov issued a memo to, to everybody at Warner Brothers and says, like, listen, we got to try and break even on this piece of shit. So everybody say it's like the best superhero movie since The Dark Knight. And mm. and then, you know, every and that's why, you know, they're all saying, like, even James Gunn is like, oh, it's the best superhero movie since The Dark Knight. I'm like, what? <laughs> and every, every, I'm watching this and I'm just like, and I... I can understand Gunn's position, right? He's he's in charge of the movie division now. He wants to he wants to write the ship with the DC characters, and he knows 
you know, what a fucking asshole Zaslav is. And he's like, all right, I'll just play, I'll just play the game. And I'll be the company man for now. So just like, yeah, yeah. The flash is great. It's the best superhero movie since the dark Knight. Yeah. Just, you know, to, to, and I get why he's doing that. Like, I don't begrudge him that I don't, uh, I wish he would have been a little bit more honest about it, but cause I don't mm-hmm. think anybody can say this is a good movie. It's just, and even yeah. you know, we're talking about all this stuff about Batman, Batman beyond and Michael Keaton and all that. And I think that just goes to show that, Nobody wanted this movie. The only reason that this movie got any sort of press to begin with is because you had Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. The only reason people went well, to see this movie was because of Michael Keaton. Exactly. Michael Keaton, but I was going to say another reason people went to see it is because of Ezra Miller's crazy uh, self. You know, they wanted to see, you know, what the heck was going to happen with mm. this guy, you know. And I think a lot of people also got turned off by that oh i think so exactly i mean that you know all the positive spin you can put on this movie would not undo the what like year worth years worth of coverage of ezra miller's criminal antics i mean guy went Mm -hmm. dude went on a uh, on a crime spree that spanned continents i mean come on here (laughs) he was an he was literally an international criminal yeah yeah like oh boy you know and that that turned people off and then i think i mainly saw this movie in theaters just just because i knew it was going to be a train wreck Mm. and i think most of the people who did go just wanted to see a train wreck and we ended up being right you know it was a train wreck you know um but like i said there were so many things that they could have done differently what did you think about his costume so i mean the first glimpses we got, I thought, oh, cool, they're going with the red suit. But then I watched it here mm-hmm. in motion, and the the mask, or it's like this weird helmet thing, it feels way too bulky. And then... It feels like a Power Rangers helmet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very bulky. Yeah. And then the rest of the suit, it's... And I know it's going to sound weird saying this because it's a, you know, it's a flash costume, but there's, there is too much red. I mean, there's no, like, yeah. the, the lightning bolts, there's not enough of a break in the midsection, the the boots don't feel right and it's just like it just yeah i i wanted to like it based on what we saw in the in the first glimpses of it but it's just and i'm glad they're not using that again you know the most of the costumes in the snyder films were great the exception was the flash costume mm-hmm. that thing was always an ugly piece of shit and yeah yeah this one is better but not by much mm-hmm. exactly yeah and you know and i think it was primarily cgi too yeah. It kind of reminded me of the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. You know, how he had that green CGI, and it just doesn't really seem like it was there. It didn't yeah. seem real. Yeah. You know, and it just, yeah, it was, oh, boy. Like, I don't I don't even know where to begin. I'll tell you what. We, we've been dogging this movie out. I want to touch on something else I did like. Okay. And uh, I know I think I said this before, and that was – uh supergirl yes i thought her character was cool and you know i liked seeing that i liked the little twist that they made um you know i liked the fight scenes uh in the desert with the kryptonians Mm -hmm. what i didn't like was that she and michael keaton both died yeah it kind of feels like what was the point you know i like that's the thing about this movie you know, when you see a superhero movie, you want to see the hero triumph. Mm-hmm. I feel like nobody really triumphed in this movie. You know, 
Um, he did get his dad out of prison. But my thing is this. Who killed his mom? Yeah, they, they never... You, you, you figure, you'd think that you've got all this stuff going on. You should at least find out who killed your mom, right? You can find yeah, out without altering yeah. the time. That's going to cause... Just going to find out is going to cause less damage than, you know moving the tomato sauce or whatever that is, is exactly and that's the thing that gets me why didn't you just go back and see who did it yes and yeah. then once you saw who did it you could figure out how to prove that in court and then you know why didn't he do that you which know, is that, exactly that, that what just... and you know it's weird they they stole the wrong lesson from the flash tv show because instead of doing what they did in the flash tv show where barry does go and finds out and then he's able to to clear his to his father after that Instead, we get the the one they take is the the Savitar storyline where you've got the Dark Barry thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my thing is this: so he puts the the can of tomatoes in the cart, all right. But still, that doesn't mean that the mom wasn't going to die. I mean, if she was home, what the father protected her or something? Yeah, they just... didn't explain how what what changed that day. Did the person just not invade the home? You know what happened? That's the story right there. So, like I said, nobody triumphed. He got his dad out of prison, but his mom is still dead. Mm-hmm. I guess the story is he can't change the past, whatever. But then they bring back Michael Keaton, okay, only for us to see him die. And then this death, it wasn't really like a massively heroic <clears throat> death. Right. Just I think he got, he got stabbed. Yeah, yeah. You know, or yeah, it was just like, okay, that's it. And then we see Supergirl die multiple times mm-hmm. over and over, you know. And then at the end, we find out that his alternate self, I guess, who was trying to actually save the day, mm-hmm. got twisted up and became evil. Right, because he kept, he, that, he yeah. kept trying to go back and change things, and he couldn't. So it just drove him crazy, basically. Um, yeah, and... And the and, weird and, and, like makeshift ooh. flash suit he 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 whips up out of the old Batman costume was just so ugly. It's just like I mean, I I get it's like a makeshift cop, but still, I mean, we can do something a little bit better than this. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And like, and then like like I said earlier, like in the beginning, there was no villain. Mm-hmm. You know, the Dark Flash. He was in there for like twelve seconds. He yeah. shows up, and then. I can't even remember how they beat the guy. I think did he beat him or did he just like go back in time and just he, he basically know. just goes back in time. Yeah, it's, it, it's yeah. Like, so they didn't really fight. No, no, it was yeah, it was just. I mean, but like the CGI in this thing is just god awful from start to finish. Like this whole way yeah. that they're trying to visualize the speed force and the time travel with this weird bubble thing and like everything. It just yeah. I I don't know. I mean, even, you know, you know, people, people joke about, you know, the, the Richard Donner Superman movie and how he travels through time and that I'm like, honestly, that's a much better visualization than this is like, this is just ugly. And it's just, and so I will say though, I, one one thing I will say is the, um, Michael Keaton's explanation about, um, how time travel works and the multiverse theory. I thought that was actually a pretty effective explanation when he says like, you know, you take a dry strand of spaghetti and it's like a fulcrum, right? If you change one thing here, it breaks the other thing here. But then if it, but if you do it too much, you then you get 
you get the multiverse where some strands and it's like all the cook spaghetti where some strands are running along each other. Some strands get tangled up. They move all throughout. And I thought, I'm like, oh, my God, that actually is a pretty good metaphor for um, the multiverse. Yeah, I thought that was clever. Um, well, I forgot I was about to say. Um, yeah, that part was clever. You know, like I said, the whole Michael Keaton thing was the high point mm. of the movie. Um Although I don't know but, how, I don't know when Bruce Wayne became an expert on, you know, uh, quantum physics, but. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, how does he know that? But, oh, here's what, here's what I was going to say. So you say you didn't like how they visualized the time. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was creative, but they had bit off more they could chew. Mm-hmm. It was apparent that, you know, they didn't have the budget for CGI that yeah. they thought they were going to have. And everything just appears unfinished. All of the CGI in this movie, it feels like, you know, people online were saying it feels like PS2 graphics. I was going to say, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. (laughs) I wouldn't say it was that bad, but I would say it was like Xbox 360's Mm -hmm. graphics, you know? Yeah, it wasn't quite PS2. I mean, you didn't have people like blocky polygons, Mm. but... At the end, where they show all these alternate universes, like they show Nicolas Cage, Superman, mm-hmm. they show um, Christopher Reeves, and how much later, it's and... just yeah, it's just so like washed out. Yeah, and yeah, it, it just yeah, it feels amateur. It's like I've seen YouTube fan movies mm-hmm. with better CGI yeah. than this, you know. And it's just, you know what's interesting? When I was in theater watching this and they showed Nicolas Cage Superman, they were like, why is Nicolas Cage Superman? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I think that, you know, like us comic nerds, we know the story about how there was almost a Nicolas Cage Superman movie directed by Kevin Smith. No, no. A lot of people don't know that. uh, Kevin Smith wrote the screenplay for it, but Tim Burton was going to direct it. That's right. Uh, That's right. Tim Burton. And... You know, I think us comic nerds, we know that. But mm-hmm. everybody else who isn't a comic nerd, right. they were, like, kind of scratching their head. Like, why is Nicolas Cage in this movie? Well, I mean, here's the weird thing. It's like they wanted to have – that was, like, their attempt to do this fan servicey thing. But, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's something very creepy when you're resurrecting these dead actors for yeah, these cameos. Yeah, right. Like, bringing, bringing in Helen Slater as Supergirl, that's fine. She's still alive. You know, DH her, that's fine. But, you know – Going back and having Christopher Reeve pop up in there, having George Reeves pop up pop up is very yeah. disrespectful considering why he killed himself is because of yeah. he was so depressed over the fact that he was, you know, really because he was playing Superman and he had he had such that weird relationship with that character. That feels very disrespectful to his memory. Um having Adam West pop up in there too, again, you know, dude's gone. You know, it feels mm-hmm. very icky, especially when like the, having Nicolas Cage in there, I think that that's fine. I mean, I you I get your point about you know that being a a weird choice to focus on so heavily because mm-hmm. so many people don't know that. Um, but he's at least still alive. You can at least call him up and say like, yeah. "Hey, would you like to cameo in this movie?" Having George Clooney pop up at the end, I thought that was fun. I loved that seeing George Clooney yeah, pop up fun. at the end. Um, but you've got all these different actors from these DC, these multiple live action DC properties who are still alive. You can like, mm-hmm. like they did in crisis crisis. I thought didn't was an excellent job of working this in. You had Tom Welling and Erica Durant pop up. 
You had, um, you know, you had Burt Ward pop up. You had um, uh, Michael uh, Knox from the first Batman movie pop up in it. You know, you have all mm-hmm. these little tiny references to these other. You had a, you had a brief scene of the Titans. Uh, and mm-hmm. we still have this. Like, you know, even the, you know, I don't know if you watched the last season of Titans, but there's this one episode where uh, Beast Boy goes through like the the multiverse and he encounters like different versions he even talks to grant morrison for a few moments i thought that was a much better use of the of the uh multiverse concept than this was just tossing in a bunch of dead actors and then an extended sequence of nicholas cage as superman and again you've got you've got other flashes it's supposed to be a flash movie i think they keep forgetting that this is supposed to be a movie about the flash they're focusing so much on let's see different versions of batman and superman i'm like what about different versions of the flash why don't we have grant gustin pop up in here why don't we have um john wesley ship pop up in here or something yeah that would have been interesting like if or they, what's his name? The guy who played him. The them. guy who played uh, Impulse on Smallville. Have him pop up as well. Those would make so much more sense. That would have actually been really cool if Grant Gustin and uh, the Flash TV show, I believe, was from the eighties, uh, early nineties. Uh, yeah, name, John Wesley Ship. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah, if they had showed up, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. You know, see that happen, and maybe even I don't know how they would have done it, but maybe you could have had like a little glimpse of the Justice League animated. Uh, Flash. Oh yeah, I was actually I was thinking that too. Even if you just have like you know, or just if you just put Michael Rosenbaum in a Flash costume for a brief few minutes and have him do the the same voice, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, it would have. Like it's crazy, you know. Me and you, we don't have jobs in Hollywood, so Mm -hmm. you know we can't sit with the producers and directors and give them all these ideas. My thing is just like, don't they have like like people at DC? Who can talk to them, like the writers mm. and the artists? Do they ever sit down with them and say, "Hey, what are some ideas I can do with this?" Yeah. You know, do they not reach out to the companies? Like, why? I just don't understand in this day and age how you can just turn out something that's so crappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, and it's it, it but, definitely uh, feels like of, it definitely feels like this was a movie made by committee. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And if we want to talk about a cameo that totally fell flat, we have to throw in Jason Momoa's little post-credit scene, which should have been left on the cutting room floor. I don't know what they were doing. It wasn't even funny. It Mm. was just, oh, Jason Momoa's drunk. Like, oh, he fell in a puddle of water. Oh, he just seems bummy. Mm -hmm. You know, he seems like a bum. Yeah. You know, like... I didn't know what to make of that little post credit scene, but eh, man, that eh, disastrous movie, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember people were complaining about his his cameo at the end of Peacemaker, but I thought that was funny. Um, this just felt like this felt like you were taking things way too far with the and I and I love Surfer Bro Aquaman. I love Jason Momoa's Surfer Bro Aquaman, but this this pushed it way too far. Yeah, yeah, it's just like. Like I said, the Flash is a great character, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm hoping that Tim Gunn in the future, I don't know if he plans to reboot the character again. I or think just, they do. Like, I think know. his his um his vague answer on Ezra Miller coming back, I think, was just intended because you notice he hasn't 
he hasn't said anything about Ezra Miller since that movie bombed. So <laughs> I think he, yeah. I Ezra think that was Miller, just a case of like, they're just, you know, let's just talk this movie up so that hopefully we can get up, we can, um, you know, get some money back. And then afterwards we'll just quietly move on. Yeah. Move away from Ezra Miller, you know, just recast mm-hmm. them. If they do, uh, do another justice league. My thing is, you know, I think people might be wanting to see something different. Mm-hmm. So my guess is if they do do another justice league, people probably don't want to see, uh, the flash. So I don't know. I think they'd probably want to see the uh, Flash, but not this Flash. Because, you know, so I I don't, I'm pretty sure, because we've already got, you know, uh, David Cornsweet has been cast as as Superman. So um, we've gotten Mm. some Justice League characters popping up in Superman Legacy. Like they've got Nathan Fillion's playing Guy Gardner. There are a few other ones who have been cast as well, but um, no like big names so far. Like we don't know who's going to be playing Batman in this universe. We don't know who's going to be playing Wonder Woman. Uh, or Hal Jordan, for that matter, like none, or I don't think they've mentioned the Flash at all. I think it part of it is because yeah. they wanted to get this movie out, and then they are going to probably because there's nothing about the Flash mentioned in like this first wave of projects that's been announced. Yeah. So I think they're probably just yeah. wanting to put some distance before they bring back, they dip back into the Flash. Um, but speaking of of what James Gunn is doing. Now, the director of this, Andy Machete, he is lined up now to direct the the Batman movie, uh, The Brave and the Bold, which is going to introduce uh, Damian Wayne as, as Robin. What do you think of that decision to have him direct uh, Brave and the Bold? So, you know, this movie, the Flash movie, had a lot of problems. But as far as direction, I, I don't have a problem with the direction. Mm-hmm. It was just the story and the CGI, I, I could see him doing a great job with a Batman movie. And I like the fact that it's going to be Batman and Robin. Mm. I've been wanting him to do a serious Batman and Robin movie right. for a while now. Um, and I'm interested to see who they're going to cast as Damien mm-hmm. because, you know, child actors can be really hit or miss. Right, right. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. But I think this director, I think he can do it. And um, I'm glad he's getting another chance, you know, because he was given a turd. And I Mm. think he polished up that turd as much as he could. Um, So I think he deserves a chance to do a Batman movie. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I think the Batman stuff, I mean, all the Batman stuff here is the best part of the movie. Like you could just, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the stuff with Ben Affleck, you know, the bad costume aside, like Ben Affleck's performance, the action is is great. Um, the, the Michael Keaton's fight scenes are amazing. Like they, they really lean into him. Uh, they really do a good job showcasing what Batman can do in a way that Mm -hmm. none of the Tim Burton movies ever did because Tim Burton is not an action director at all. So yeah, I think this guy's got, I think Machete's got a good eye for action. I think he's got a good handle on who Batman is. So I know a lot of people were down on that after that decision, after seeing this movie, but I think he might be a pretty, he might do a pretty good job directing Brave and the Bold. And yeah. And like you, I am plus I'm also someone who is kind of done with the let's do a grounded, realistic Batman take. We had three Nolan movies. We've got, you know, then we had then Matt Reeves says, Oh, we're going to do a grounded bat year one Batman movie. I'm like, well, didn't we just have that? Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. I'm tired of grounded, gritty Batman as well. I would like to see a Batman similar to 
like the animated series mm-hmm. or like uh, the recent uh, New 52 run, which I think was written by Scott Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was his name. Yeah. Something like that. Like, I want to see a more comic booky Batman. Yeah, yeah. When I say comic booky, I don't mean, I don't want to see something like Adam West. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see something like, uh, was it the Joe Schumacher, Joel Schumacher yeah, films? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to see anything like that. No camp. Mm. Still be serious, a good movie, but still have those comic book elements. Well, like, I think, yeah. I want to see Batman. I'll say this. I want to see Batman fight Clayface. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's supposed yeah, to that's, that's the that's rumor about um, the, the, the second Batman movie that Matt Reeves is directing, that he's got Clayface in it. Um, I'm not sure really how they're going to do that, so that, but that's been the rumor so far. Um, but I think that. James Gunn has said that Grant Morrison's Batman run is a big inspiration is like a big source of influence for the brave and the bold is a very good sign because that Grant Morrison Batman is what you're talking about. That's like more in the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams vein, as opposed to the more Frank Miller type of thing. So I think we're going to be getting that is something more like the more comic booky Grant Morrison, you know, what what Grant Morrison called, he called it the hairy chested love God Batman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to. I think the DC universe is in good hands with uh, Tim Gunn, James Gunn. You know, my th- yeah, James Gunn. I'm sorry, <laughs> when I say Tim. Yeah, James Gunn. Um, I, I think it's in good hands, and I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do. I think he's going to knock the Superman out the mm-hmm. park. I think that we're finally going to get. Um, I don't want to say finally because the Christopher Reeve Superman was good, but. It's been a while since we had a really good Superman movie mm-hmm. that didn't really have any flaws, and I, I think he's going to knock that out the park. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other things that he's coming out with a uh, uh, what's this? I don't, I don't want to say Howling Commandos because that's no, Marvel, no, Creature Commandos, some kind of Creature Commandos. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm curious to see what that's going to be about. You know, I like that um uh sci-fi world war ii mm-hmm. i think that's a hit in the making right there and um he, he has some other ideas in the works i think nathan uh phil i can never pronounce his nathan last Fillion, name but yeah. being cast yeah I, being cast as guy gardner for a green lantern that is a perfect casting choice right. yeah um I, yeah i want to see what they're going to do with that and you know green lantern that whole concept in general is something that DC could be tapping into. Mm. And the fact that they haven't, like that, you know, it goes without saying that Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie was, you know, an abomination. Right, yeah. Um, probably even worse than this Flash movie. I mean, I don't know, because but... this, it's hard to say, because I did enjoy, we, we'd recently covered uh, Green Lantern, and I did enjoy mm. Ryan Reynolds in it. I enjoyed most of the casting in it. I thought the stuff on Oa was pretty good. Um but again, this one also has, so Green Lantern had a better lead actor, and I think it had a better script overall than this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie did have Michael Keaton and Sasha Kale, which, you know, elevated a lot of it. Um, but uh, we are running short on time, so uh, I wanted to kind of wrap this All right, up. Dan. But uh, one one final thing I wanted to say is, you know, we we talked brief we we briefly mentioned the George Clooney cameo. What did you think of that? Having George Clooney pop up as I liked it. Yeah, I I liked it. You know, I was kind of hoping that with this flashpoint, I thought I was hoping we were going to get more of a glimpse of mm-hmm. the gun verse. You know, I thought there was going to be like a bunch of cameos. Right. And I thought it was going to be more of a teaser of what's to come. 
and I was kind of let down by that. But I like the George Clooney cameo. You know, it was cool to see him, mm-hmm. um, you know, back at it. But I kind of was just wondering, like, you know, I went in thinking that it was going to be more. Yeah, yeah. Like, when reading that Flashpoint comic with the um, introduced the new 52. Right. You know, I thought it was going to be as dramatic as that. I thought we were going to, like, see something, like, really be bold and have people talking. And so... You know, I'm not going to say I was let down, but, you know, I just expected more. I'm kind of glad that we didn't, because I think then we would have been saddled with Ezra Miller still as the Flash. So mm-hmm. the fact that we yeah, didn't true. show any. But I am curious to see, because they apparently filmed other endings. They apparently had an ending film with um, with with Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot being around. But they apparently also had another one filmed where Michael Keaton and Sasha Kale were taking the place of. Affleck and Cavill, basically. So they had had these different endings hmm. filmed. So I am curious if they're ever going to release those because I, I would be curious to see what those were like. Um, but yeah. I did like the George Clooney cameo. I thought that was fun. <laughs> it was uh, that was one of the few things that I that I got really kind of you know jazzed about watching this movie. I'm like, oh, it's George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought it was cool. Um, you know, it's just be honest with yourself. Do you ever see yourself watching this movie again? No. You know, I watched it last Friday just to get prepared for this, you know, podcast. But I don't think even if I was just home alone and sick and this movie happened to be on, you know, unless I couldn't find a remote or I couldn't turn the TV off. You know, I don't think, you know, I would ever watch this again. No, I'm in the same camp. Like, I am probably not going to be watching this again. At most, I might fast forward to, like, the Michael Keaton scenes. That's probably the closest I'll come to Mm -hmm. watching this again. But um, other than the Michael Keaton and uh, Sasha Kale stuff or the the Ben Affleck stuff, I don't see myself going back to this movie because, I mean, also, I didn't mention this, but before, this another note I had was just that Barry is just such a whiny little bitch in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, you're the Flash. You're a freaking superhero, and you're complaining about saving people. And I mean, come on, dude, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know that, and like, you know, he just whines nonstop. Like in the movie, when they first introduce him, he's trying to order a sandwich, and yeah. he's whining because it's taking too long. And then you know, he he's just, and then he's getting picked on by his coworkers mm. at the job, you know. And then he says he's a virgin. And then it's just like, dude, like none of this he is wouldn't necessary. like this guy yeah. in real life. Yeah, none <laughs> yeah, of this is necessary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just there, there's just so much bad in this movie. Um, and just like and too, like the whole point of the story, and like he doesn't even learn his freaking lesson because he still screws with time in just a different way. So it's just everything yeah, about yeah. this movie is just so many bad things about this. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we have to say about uh, The Flash. So, uh, Isaac, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, why don't you tell the people again where they can find you? Uh, it's Bright Brains Pod, and that's with a Z on the end. Uh, just type in Bright Brains on any podcast platform, uh, Spotify, Google, whatever. We're on every platform, YouTube as well. And just check us out. Um, new episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, great. All right, so and uh, we'll have uh, links to that in the show notes. So please make sure to to check out uh, the Bright Brains podcast. Uh, as for us, superherocinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky. 
Um, not on X anymore. Uh, the, the profile is still there, but I'm not going to be posting there anymore because Elon Musk is a Nazi. So <laughs> we're done with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a strange. Person. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, please make sure to check out Paragons of Earth. That's the comic book I've worked on with uh, Thomas DJ and Eric Johns. Crowdfunder.com slash Paragons Comic. That's Crowdfunder, no E.com slash Paragons Comic. You can find the link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Superhero Cinephiles is produced by me, Percival Constantine, with the support of Zencaster. The show is created by myself and the late, great Derek Ferguson, our host, Emeritus. Visit us on the web at SuperheroCinephiles.com to listen to past episodes or find out how you can be a guest yourself. Support the show by visiting our advertiser links or click the Buy Me a Coffee link on the website to make a one-time donation. You can also support us by visiting Crowdfunder.com slash Paragons Comic. That's Crowdfunder with no E dot com slash Paragons Comic and help support my superhero comic book, Paragons of Earth. We are Super Cinema Pod on both Instagram and Blue Sky, so please be sure to follow us. We'd also appreciate it if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends. Thank you for listening. And as always, good night, good evening, God bless.